And don't worry, like, everyone comes in here a little like, oh, what's this to be about? But we're just going to start talking. And I'll ask questions and just tell me about yourself. Yeah, no, like I said, it's, it's weird. It's weird to have to do that. Think of it like this, when you meet somebody in a bar or an outsider's event for that, and they start talking, like, what do you do? We follow this. That's, that's the kind of demeanor we're going for, but you're going to be, t- it's going to be mostly, I want to hear your story, your stories, like humans in New York, you know? Okay, sounds good. <clears throat> and there's rapid fire at the end. At the end, but it's like five questions that are very simple questions. Are there any simple questions? Yeah, Always. That's some of my brother's artwork, the big pieces. I have a twin brother that's an artist. Very, very talented. The the big blue one with the white skid marks, that's that's his. The one with the triangle up there, the peace sign, and the little red square one over there. Wow. Is yeah. he younger or older? We're twins. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. Yeah, he lives in Portland, Oregon. Huh. I always wanted a twin. Why? So you can share every gift you get as a kid? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. It was just a romantic idea. I just wanted a twin, and I didn't have one. And then my brother was born when I was nine. And oh, that, and that's, was, that's a big difference, too. It's a big difference. Because I, ha- I have half-siblings who are all like, the oldest one is seven years younger than me, and the youngest one's 17 years younger. And I, maybe it's because I have a twin. They yeah. don't feel the same. Like, I don't want to say they don't feel like siblings, but they don't feel quite like, because it's such a big age gap. It almost feels like... Yeah. Well, I lost interest in my brother when I realized he wasn't a twin. So the day he was born, I'm like, I have a twin brother. Because I was an idiot. I was nine. I should have uh, known better. Uh, <laughs> please record this. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Hold oh on. Oh, my God. My twin this brother's has here. To be re- oh. And my dad's like. This is why I don't like talking too much. People I don't know. Before. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The camera comes out because this is gold. This is gold. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. I just. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, good, good. Yeah. No, this is. So you get to shout out your twin brother on this show. <laughs> Rest in peace. I, was like, I don't. I don't. I don't want him anymore. I didn't you don't want, want to send go him back. I was like, right. I don't. I don't. I don't care about him anymore. I was so crestfallen. I was so excited that he was going to be my twin. My at nine like, years old. That's not how it works. And I was like, oh, well, then I changed my what mind. What did you think the difference was between a twin and a regular sibling then? I found out that day. Oh, my God. <laughs> At nine. Uh, and now you're a doctor. In That's scary. So many, I know, right? <laughs> Listen, in so many ways, I'm ahead of the game. And in so many ways, you don't want me on your uh, team. Fans, <laughs> let me know when you're ready. This has to start. <laughs> Good. Uh, ben Saheb? Ben Saheb. All right. Welcome back to Inside with Outsiders. I'm Jeremy S. Gary, and today we have an Outsiders member named Arva Bensaheb. Welcome. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, this is interesting uh, because a lot of the people we have on our show, I, I know enough to pull out some details of their lives, but you, I really know almost nothing about. Um, we were talking a little bit before the show started, and you revealed <laughs> some really fun facts about yourself, which are <clears throat> a little worrisome, but um, it's still interesting. <laughs> Um, well, since you're a doctor, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Bams is back there as usual. Bams, how are you doing? 
What's going on, guys? How everybody doing right, uh, today? I'm Good. glad that you're uh, you're you're not a, like a, a physical doctor, like you don't operate and stuff like no. that. Oh yes, no. we're not. Uh, we're relying just on mental health. This little yeah, thing yeah, on yeah, mental yeah. health. Yeah. Just the well, that's also scarier than that <laughs> too. Then, that, yeah. Um. I do know what a twin is now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, let's let's get into this first off. Before we get into your little twin story, um, what kind of doctor are you? I am a psychotherapist. I'm I'm a psychologist. Okay. Um, and let's dig in. Let's go way back. Where are you from? I so I'm uh, originally from India. Okay. Uh, from what part? A place called Gujarat. Where in India is that? Which is like the westmost in the middle, so the Midwest, the westmost that you can go in the middle. And what is what is that region of India like? And what are the people like in that region? Um, well, they're amazing. I mean, clearly. Obviously. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's it's uh, it's very urban. Um, you know, it's known for like a really big river. Can you do me a favor? Just bring the mic oh, a little closer to your yeah. face. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you can see. Just bring. Yeah, perfect. Is that good? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Speak to the other <laughs> mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the people in that region don't know how to use mics. <laughs> <laughs> well done. It's a little known fact, yes. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I mean, there it, it's mostly urban, and it's known for a poet named uh, Tagore. He's, okay. He's quite, he's quite yeah, famous. Yeah, quite famous, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you the name of his poems, but I know the name. Yeah. He's, maybe, you know, that region of the world has some great poets. Let's just say Rumi, great Persian poet. poet. That's yeah. that region of the world. I love Rumi. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of um, Instagram models posting half-naked photos of themselves quoting Rumi, and a little part of me <laughs> dies. <laughs> Like, do you know they're talking about God and not your ex-boyfriend? <laughs> like, exactly. Um, and uh, how does your butt have any relevance to this? <laughs> right. It's, it's not what I'm seeking to. Like, exactly. It's not, yeah. They're enlightened, though, so good for them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so how were you? You were born there. I was born there, and then um, I was there until I was about three years old, and my parents decided they wanted to move. Um, and they had the choice to move to the U.S. or Dubai. My dad chose Dubai, so that's where we went. And um, we were there for a bit, and then they decided that they wanted to come back to India, so they did. And they, they, so we transitioned back. <clears throat> we, we gave it a shot. Um, I was there until about nine years old. And then, um, no, wait. Yeah, I, was, I, I, went, I moved to Dubai when I was three. I was in, in Dubai until I was nine. And then we moved to India around that age. And then we moved back to Dubai when I was about 14. So when, when you were nine, what were your parents doing that allowed them to travel so much? They weren't traveling. They just... They, or they move just, around. Yeah. Um, like my mom was in India. My dad was in Dubai. And they were conflicted about whether or not they wanted to stay or not. And my, my dad was trying to get a job and... Um, so in Dubai, you have to have a visa. You have to be sponsored. Um, and my dad wanted to work in a particular way, so he was there, and my well, mom... What is it specifically? What were they working in? Was your mom working as well, or just your dad? Yeah, they were, they're were both they? business people. They're both in accounting. Okay. And uh, part of the decision to stay was, and this was misguided, but they wanted to reduce the amount of transitions like they're like, well, we're not really sure if we want to be in Dubai or India. Um, we had a lot of family in India, would visit a lot. 
So they were like, well, we're just going to do this weird long distance thing. Oh, so they were apart? They were apart. Your dad was the one that I didn't realize your dad was solely in Dubai and your mom. And where were you? Were you in Dubai with your dad? No, I was in India with my okay. mom. Yeah. Um, and that's just what they decided to do. And you know how parents are. They're so good at explaining their decisions. Yeah, exactly. When you <laughs> ask them, like, what were you thinking? And they're like, well, we were, we, we were thinking about you. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. So you see how I'm a shrink for a reason. Yes. 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 I see the motivation. Yes. Because I'm like, these are, these are really good questions. I don't have answers for them right. either. I wish. So you were, as you initially were in India the entire time and you're, you're fr- okay. And at nine years old, uh, wasn't, wasn't your, your twin born when you were <laughs> nine? <laughs> Let's tell the story again because the camera's <clears throat> off and maybe, maybe uh, Bams will feature some of that before in our reel. But yeah. what, what explains to me again, because how how did you assume you were going to have a twin that was your <laughs> younger brother who was nine years younger than you are? So I don't know if you know this about children, but they're very attached to their fantasies. And okay. I have a lot of cousins, and they all have siblings, and I did not have siblings. Understood. So I was like, well, not only do I want a sibling, now that, you know, it's late in the game, I kind of want it to be like, I want it to really count. So I don't want just a sibling. I want a twin. <laughs> so I asked so my did you mom. Think, did you think your mom was going to give birth to a nine-year-old? <laughs> I, I just, I, I guess I didn't know what a twin was. <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't gotcha. think to Google it. I don't know if there was Google at the time. So I was like, Mom, I want a twin. And she's like, we'll work on it. I'm like, cool. Your mom, your mom said, I will work on it. She, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to crush her dreams. She's like, oh, we've got a special one. Let's not disappoint her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we'll work on that. I trusted her. Um, and I'm like, cool, cool, cool. And so, you know, and it, it was exciting because <clears throat> she she got fi- she fi- finally was able to. So she got into a car accident, and she wasn't after she had me. She got into a car accident, and she wasn't going to be able to have kids. Understood. Yeah. So um, and so I was like, okay, how are you going to how are you going to do this? Because you said we're going to make this work, and now what's happening here? And so I was like. I don't know, maybe they placated me, like, yeah, yeah, we're working on it, we'll, we'll do something about it. I have no idea. And then I find out that she's pregnant and I'm actually going to have a brother. So maybe I missed the part where they told me I was going to have a brother and I was like, yes, the time is now. I'm going to have a twin. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I'm one of the youngest cousins. I have a lot of cousins. So maybe nobody corrected me or nobody wanted to break my heart. Maybe they just uh, thought it'd be a they good were laugh. Just like, you Let's know get what? the joke going. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently, it's still funny. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then my dad was the one who had the very hard job of bursting my bubble. Because I was like, Dad, you know, I didn't even say I have a twin. I went and I was like, we have a twin. And he's like, a couple of things wrong with this statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, we don't have a twin. And let me remind everybody, she's talking about this when she was nine years old. <laughs> nine. <laughs> Wait, so what if your mom actually had twins? Would you be triplets? I, w- I would be over the moon. <laughs> I'd be like, cool, I got two of them. Uh, but then my heart would break twice because it's like, no, They're they belong twin. to each other. Yeah, You're yeah. right. Yeah. You're still the odd one out. Um, all right, so enough of this twin stuff. So you were, <laughs> so you, you. This was traumatic, Jeremy. I was really upset. <laughs> okay, so well, this, I guess this is your therapy. It's me asking you the yeah, question. I wanted to disown my brother. I didn't want to have anything to do with him. Right. Tried to like send him back a couple times, you know. Man, we're, we're, that, good, we're good now. Good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure after you gave him some trauma, he's fine now. 
now. Um, he, he had some time to recover. <laughs> so at nine, uh, your dad moves back to Dubai uh, from Dubai, and what, what's the process from there? Yeah. So so then we did. They did decide that they wanted to move to Dubai, and I was around four, 13, 14. Um, we moved there. I absolutely hated it, but then we were there, and then um, my mom's older sister has been here for a long time. Here, New York. Uh, uh, Chicago. Okay. Um, and so she had applied for our green cards, and it just took a long time to get to us. And it came at a very opportune time because I was done with school, so I was going, you know, I was going to start college. And Dubai doesn't have long-term, like it doesn't have four-year colleges, or didn't at the time. They had a two-year college, and then you had to go somewhere else mm -hmm. to finish up. So I went back to India to do my college, thinking that's where I would have to be. And it just was a culture clash. Like I had been abroad for too long. Like, so this after your time in Chicago? Uh, no, this, this was is Dubai. This is Dubai. So, so did you go to an American school in Dubai? Uh, it was an international school. Understood. So yeah, because because you don't have an accent. So I have this weird like kind of international accent with like some Chicago that comes out when I'm tired. Okay, that's uh, I don't hear it. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. cool. Good. I mean, say, can you say the bears? The bears. <laughs> the bears. <laughs> the bears. <laughs> uh, but I'm oh, a that's no reference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so right. So we b b went between Dubai and India. This is the most confusing part of my story. Believe me, my own shrink has a hard time keeping it straight. So I don't blame you if you don't get it straight. Or maybe you just don't do well at storytelling. <laughs> maybe that too. Um, but it's all good. So. But I finally made it to the U.S. when I was 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. So where did you finish up college? Um, at University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. Okay, so where did you start college? There. There? <laughs> yes. Okay. Where did you go to high school? Dubai? Dubai. So, but you went to India, attempt to go to school there, and yeah. you realized it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. So. And then our visas came in, <clears> and so my mom's like, you don't have to do this in India. We could just go. We could all okay. go to the U.S., and that was a better decision. And how much time... How much time were you in India before you moved to the U.S.? Um, just like literally a couple of months. Okay. Filled with tears and... Tears, why? Separation, anxiety. Separation from your friends in Dubai? From my friends and my mom and my dad and my brother, who I didn't want, but then changed my <laughs> mind about <laughs> So where, where did you... Where is the, the majority of your, like, your childhood friends? Are they in, in Dubai or India? Or do you even keep in touch with people from back then? Pretty, it's a pretty even split, and I keep in touch with a lot of them, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what, what was it like going to Chicago? I mean, how much of a culture shock was that? I, I think I, I, I think I recovered from it like day before yesterday. Oh my God, what? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was very different. It was very different. So Dubai... But what was so different about it? I want, yeah, I would love to hear, like, from an immigrant's perspective, like, what was, what were the, the, the factors that really were shocking to you? I feel like we're getting into the heart of my identity issues. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we're right the bat, the weather. The, the weather, weather was, well, you know, the weather surprisingly doesn't bother me. I guess I'm used to extremes. I do, I do like the heat. I, I'm basically a lizard, so <laughs> if I'm comfortable, that was my next question. Are you a lizard? <laughs> That's why I was late today. I was growing back my tail. Um, what? <laughs> don't they do that? Am I right about that? 
Uh, um, anyway. <laughs> where, what was yeah, your biggest, your biggest, uh, the biggest culture shock, sh- culture shock uh, factors or things that were shocking to you? Um, you know, so many things, too many to count. I just, uh, so the, the first day, so I, I was in Dubai, okay, in Dubai, it's a very, it's the most liberal of the Middle Eastern countries, but mm. it's still very conservative. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's still uh, an Arab country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, um, and, and being a girl in Dubai, and being the type of girl that I was in Dubai. What is that? It means I'm really glad I'm not dead. Are you, like, how so did you, like... Because I, I hung out with boys, and I... I, I stole my mom's car a couple of times to go to parties. <laughs> it's funny. I, I, I've been, been to Dubai apartment. once, and uh, I have one moment I'll never forget about Dubai. And, and again, I, I enjoyed the parts of Dubai that weren't the, like, I don't know why people always ask you, do you go to the mall? I'm like. Oh, the uh, souk, the gold yeah, souk. Yeah, it was like, yeah. I don't care about that. Anyway. Yeah. But uh, I remember one time we got on the train. My first time in, the, in the, the train or the subway, whatever you want to call it, in Dubai. And I, it's me, my friend, and his girlfriend. And we get in the car, and all of a sudden, I'm like, why are all the men over there and all the women here? And I realized the men and women are, are men and just separated from the women and children. Yeah. And literally had to run out of that area so we don't get arrested because I didn't realize they separate the cars. They separate the cars, yeah. yeah. There's a <laughs> line on the ground that said, on the, on, the, on the floor of the car that says, this side is for women and children only, and this side is for men. The men's side was packed, so we had to go on that side. And I'm like... You, you know, have to stand up. Shoulder to shoulder with these guys, and the other side is like women just sprawled out lounging, chilling. <laughs> right. You're like, come on, I want to be over there. Yeah, I did. Right. I didn't want to get arrested, so yeah. we, we went running back. Yeah. Good, good, good plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're very good about taking you in. They're not very good about releasing you back into the wild Oof. without trauma. Well, how so? Like, uh, what do you mean? Like they're, they're very strict. Yeah. No, I, I understand very, very that. <laughs> Which, it, which is interesting because you said it is one of the more liberal countries. It's like they do serve alcohol, but to they non-residents. Al- yeah, they serve alcohol to non-residents. I mean, you don't have to carry, you know, marriage certificate to hit, to to walk with another male like Saudi. <clears throat> but it's still very, very conservative. Um, yeah. So I went to school in India, and it was a co-ed school. And I have, I mean, I you know, when we lived in India, we lived, which is not typical, at my mom's place my mm. mom's side of the family and my mom has seven brothers and sisters and lots of cousins so being in mixed company was very typical for me also I'm pretty tall for an Indian girl so That's all you I'm five seven so you know I usually hung out with the boys and I had a lot more cousins um, I got along with the with my brothers better than I did with my cousin sisters and so going to du- Dubai, not being able to, it was just like, oh, the, the girls go to school from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., and then the boys come to school from 1.30 to 6.30 p.m. Like, we had separate times for boys oh, and wow. girls. The same building, but different times. And we had this, we had this, it felt like at the Gaza Strip, like, it, it, we had this time where, like, we were leaving and the boys were coming in, and you would get smacked on the back of your hand on the knuckles just for looking up. Really? Like, looking up. I'm like, I, I would like to know where I'm walking. Do you think it's still like this? Uh, you know, I just left and I never looked back. Really? But I would, I would imagine it's still pretty similar. And what's your family's religious background? They're Islamic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So were they, they were they were cool with uh, 
oh, they okay? Because it's still, they could be the same religion, but yeah. practice a different culture, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I think that my parents were, are, are like forever immigrants, you know? I mean, they, 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 they made sense in India, but not fully. And they were, we were always immigrants in Dubai, so everybody was always like working on adjusting. So they were figuring their stuff out, and like I was figuring my stuff out to like figure out how to be at school in this weird environment where it's just girls. And <clears throat> being in an all-girls high school was very, very weird. How long were you were you in Dubai? From like ninth grade to, I mean, yeah, ninth grade until high school ended. Oh wow! So you yeah. spent your four years there. There. Yeah. So you, okay. It was awful. Right. Yeah. Kind of prepared you for having to deal with unpleasant things in real life, though. Or just my drink is going to make a lot of money off of me. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you get to Chicago. What's the what's the uh, yeah. the culture shock there for you? Um, the the second day. So I got we got we got to Chicago, and like the next day, my cousins are like. We're going to go to a concert, a B96 concert. A B96? B96. It's like the clubby station galore. Okay. You know, I didn't know what B96 right. was. I was like, what's a concert? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so first of all, it was like they were all wearing shorts. And I'm like, I've heard of this dress code. Oh, because you never wore shorts before. No. Yeah. I Can't mean, show your legs. Yeah. No. So there was a whole thing like you got to wear shorts and here's a razor and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And how old are you there? How old are you at this point? Um, nine. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh I was. I was eighteen. I was eighteen. And you had never shaved your legs. Well, I didn't have to. Right, because you never showed your legs. I guess. Right. Yeah. Okay. I got so many personal questions, but for <laughs> phrase. <laughs> so you never had a boyfriend either. You, you would. I did. Okay. And yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I did. I had a boyfriend. And, <laughs> oh and would, I mean, uh, I, you don't have one, to answer these, but one you had a, one boyfriend. I had one boyfriend. Did you guys kiss? We did, but that's all we did. And that okay. was the most scandalous thing because, oh. This was in Dubai? This was in Dubai. Okay. And how do you, how did you, like, do you have to hide and, yeah. How did you go about doing this? Oh my God. It was, it was like Romeo and Juliet's got nothing on us. Really? <laughs> tell me, tell us more about this. How does, how does like, how do the teenagers, I mean, this, it's happening, right? There's it's no happening. way to stop them. It's happening. It's right? happening. And, and everyone kind of knows this happens, right? They have to because everyone partakes, even the people who are probably, uh, The you worst know. things happen undercover, <clears throat> right? Under, under the, like nothing is supposed to happen, but everything is happening. Right. Um, and probably... Like you said, even worse because they're being repressed. So. Yes, yeah. so repressed, and there's so much abuse and like, like, all the stuff that it's just like so many extremes. People, you know, go to a conservative extreme, and then you also have the other extreme. Yeah. So, um, so I did have a boyfriend, and he was younger than I was. Okay. And, um, Nine. <laughs> Wasn't that scandalous, <laughs> right? Um, so I, yeah, no, uh, we would hang out and we would sort of play, and my parents were not opposed to any of that because, like, you know, they weren't opposed to the co-ed so much as, but they were opposed to like you cannot have a boyfriend, right? Right? You can play with each other, but you can't play with each other. But how old were you? <laughs> how old were you when you were like playing with each other? And what were you? What were you playing? 
not i mean now i look at it and i'm like oh my god that was so pg were you 15 16 yeah yeah like and you're playing what i no. like you can hang out and you can like play cricket or oh like badminton or right so you play sports yeah gotcha yeah which was also kind of different because the girls usually didn't they just hung out and cheerled and i actually played yeah um it was kind of convenient for my parents because they're like, she's not the girl he's gonna, anybody's going to pick, right? I've got mud on my face. I'm like, hair's, well, you know. And that was all the front, though. Because <laughs> I had a boyfriend. Because you got it in. I had a boyfriend. <laughs> I, was, I had such a big crush on this kid. And um, when, I, he's, when he asked me out, I was like, oh, my God, me. I still do that Um, it was unbelievable and then we would just play and it was all secret but everybody kind of knew because there was always like special favors to be had like I would get a coca-cola or something from him like you know whatever and then it all happened at night right so after everybody goes to bed and is this in the early 2000s late I don't know how old you are I mean what is this math um, let's see. I know it was before 1999 because that's when okay. I was Okay, so, so uh, that, like, that's enough to say, but yeah. so I'm just thinking like in the 90s in New York, <laughs> what you're talking about? <laughs> I, was in, I was in Dubai. I know, but I'm saying like what you're talking about in New York would be laughed at as like, oh, she's doing wrong there? Look at my kid. Like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> my kid got two girls pregnant or something like that. You know, right. like insane. I had no idea I was a good kid. Because according to that metric, I was playing with fire, right? Right, yeah. So after everybody goes to bed, like my, my bedtime was 9.30 because I had to wake up at 5 in the morning. You oh, had wow, to be, yeah. you know, at the bus stop at like 6. So I would go to bed and then I would get a knock, knock, knock on my, on my door. I, we lived on the third floor. So he would scale the, the fire escape and okay. we would like hang out and just talk and kiss and like whatever. And then um, a couple of times my mom would be like, are you okay? I'm like, fuck. Uh, I mean, um, so <laughs> <laughs> how um, America is definitely, you know, right. <laughs> so he would hide under my bed um, and just like hang out there, like, oh my God. And, my, I, and I would be like back under the covers, and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking in my sleep. I have no idea. And she's like, okay, I just want to make sure you're okay. And I felt terrible lying to her. But Have you I ever did. told her this, by the way? No. She's about <laughs> to find out. No. Well, maybe. She already knows. She's up there. She's in, she passed away about 15 oh. years ago. So. Okay. Sorry. That's why I can talk about well, this. Well, now she knows. <laughs> now she knows. <laughs> She's looking down like, ah, I don't I knew you were trouble. And then, um, and then I, played, uh, I played a couple of sports, so... I met other boys, and they were older, and they would have parties, and it was it was like I was That's a little also sister. In, in high school. This okay. was also in high school, so then um, I learned how to drive my mom's car without license. Yeah. You were stealing cars in, du- in your mom's car, driving without a license in Dubai. Yeah, I'm telling you, I could have gotten killed. Standard or automatic? It was automatic. It was t- it was a it was a manual. Okay. So did someone teach you how to drive a manual or just watched? No. I think everyone should know how to drive a manual. I think that should be the, well, nah, at this point, electric cars don't really need it, but like. No, I agree. You should, learn, you should at least know how to drive a manual. You know, in every yeah. country, again, it's going to change now because electric cars, but every country, they require you to do your test and learn on a manual. That's Except Dubai. for here? 
That's yeah. right. You have to. You have. I to agree. My first car. I learned on a manual transmission. My first car was the shitbox. I learned on that. <laughs> 86 Toyota Celica. I got it with 200,000 miles. Uh, it was supposed to be $700 for it for my boy JJ. And it was such a, like a piece of crap that uh, he gave it to me. like, just take it. it just, just, just take just it. Take it. Yeah. Don't even, yeah, I'll, I'll pay you to take it. Yeah, 1986 yeah. Toyota Celica. It was 1998, wow. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Thank you. So, okay, so you stole your mom's car. Yeah, and I would like, you know, I didn't realize that the whole, like, we called it petrol there, yeah. the gas, whatever, would show that something's happened and I would move it and then I would like put it back. And my mom was very particular about, she was almost like a little bit OCD. So if you, if you did this, she'd be like, something happened there. You know? Right. And I'm playing with fire, like I'm moving her car around. I'm like, whatever. But I never got caught. And before I left, right, I would always leave a note. I'm feeling very rebellious tonight. I'm going to be at this address at so-and-so. Please don't call the cops. And, and um, please uh, come get me if you need to. I have your car, so do not worry. I would leave a note wow, on my Wow, an pillow. irresponsible rebel. Uh, a responsible rebel, I should say. <laughs> yeah. A very responsible rebel. Very responsible rebel. I would leave a note. And then I would, you know, since my boyfriend knew how to climb fire escapes and stuff, uh, he taught me a couple of things, so I would be able to go up and down through the through the balcony, and it was the biggest relief in the world to come back and find the note untouched. Because if it was untouched, that means my mom didn't find it. Right. Although a couple of times that thought went through my head where she saw it and she put it away, and when I go to sleep, she's going to basically murder me in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but that did not happen. Right. I don't think she ever found out. So let's flash forward to. Uh to this night you're going to go to a concert in Chicago yeah. and you're handed the razor. Razor, right. What do they explain to you? Um, shave your legs. And, and we were like, why? It, I was like... <laughs> or maybe I, you probably noticed their legs and you're like, why, yeah. there, why is there no hair so, on their legs? So, by the way, so we were not allowed to shave. So we, we were made to wax, you know, because that's what you do. You don't Where? In... In Dubai, like... So, so you did? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Grooming was a thing. It was no, not obviously, like... obviously, but I mean, like... This, all right, continue. So. Right, but but still, so you had the luxury of waxing because, you know, you have to. Hair, this is, um, <laughs> <laughs> you have to let the hair grow out before right. you well, wax course, it, yeah. right? So you just didn't have to worry about it because you didn't, you know, you, you didn't have to bare your legs, so right? Like you, whatever. So here, using the razor, it's like you've got to keep up with, yeah. you know, you can't have ingrown stuff. So. Anyway, I, I was and my I was I was like, is my mom gonna be okay with it? And my cousin's like, what are you talking about? Like, a, you're like 19 years old, and I'm like, <laughs> do you know where I lived? Anyway, um, so I wore shorts, and it was very interesting, and it, uh, we you know we were in public. You and must have felt like naked with shorts on. I, I I had a great time though. I'm like, oh, this is so nice because Dubai is so hot, and like Chicago is hot and muggy in the summer, and right. so. It was so nice to not, but yes, it was, it was definitely, I'm like trying to pull the shorts down, you know, and my cousin's like, that's about as far as they go, Arv, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, took some getting used to, but over there, like people are rolling around, like making out with each other and hanging out in bikinis. And I'm like, that's cool. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that would never happen in Dubai. Right. But did you, did you look forward to partaking into doing things like that? Or were you like, eh, I'm so not comfortable because of, you know, what you, what you, I was with. conflicted because I wanted to, but I don't, 
I didn't feel brave enough. Now, did you did you not feel brave enough because you were unfamiliar with it, or was it religious reasons? Like why? Just unfamiliar. You know, it's yeah. like it's like you know, I really want to wear that lipstick, but then you're like, I don't think I can wear it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I can carry this through. It's like just I just couldn't. It was a mindset that I couldn't really. And when do you think that kind of changed for you? Over time, I think just gradually, just kind of, you know, just fell into it, and now, I would like to think. I'm a sex therapist now, so... Are you actually a sex therapist? You're a sex therapist. Oh, Lord, help us. (laughs) (laughs) So I do know what twins are. I also know where they come from. (laughs) Arva, it's not a secret. (laughs) We all know where they come from. Wait, did you learn that uh, going to school for a sex therapy? Is that where you learn where kids come from? Day before yesterday. Oh, perfect, perfect, perfect. So actually, at least my next question. Yeah. So you you go to Chicago and you, you go to do your university, right? Yeah. Did you already know what you wanted to study? I didn't. Um, I didn't. So uh, I... Uh, and was sex... I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just like, wait, you're did, a sex therapist. I, yeah. From, yeah. from, first off, Islamic background, yeah. Dubai, yeah. and the whole cultural shock. Yeah. And now you're a sex therapist in New York. I know. That's wild. Dreams come true, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when did that become your dream, actually? Like, when did you start knowing what you wanted um, to do? So I started in psychology because I had a crush on my professor. So, so I didn't know anything about this, the, the system here, like major, minor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I went in cold. So I just, my family comes from a business background, so I took business classes, and taking a psychology class was a requirement. So I took the class, and then I had a crush on my professor. So I took a lot of the classes that he was <clears throat> offering. Okay. Who was his <laughs> professor, and what was so special about him? He was great. His name was Richard Voss, and he's, he's like, you can call me Richard just, or Rick, and he gave some other permutations, and he's like, do not call me Dick. I had no idea what that, that the, I, fresh off the boat, right? right. So I'm, everyone's laughing, and I'm like, I guess it's but funny. I want to call I'll, I'll him Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look that up later. But noted, don't call him Dick. And I found out later, soon later, like why? I'm like, oh. And then I was like, how does that? Why is that even an option? Yeah, that anyway, is weird. How does how does Richard turn into I Dick? Fu- look, we don't have time for this, but I did a deep dive, and it has to do with the British. And we can't go into this right now because we'll run out of time. But I actually <laughs> know how that happened, and I looked it up because of the Richard. Right. Thing. Okay. Anyway, so um, so then I went to my advisor, and it's like you got to pick a major. Do you have a major? And I'm like, business. And she's like, mm, looks like it's psychology, because like most of your classes are in psychology. So I was like, cool, that's cool. So we I think all dicky for you being a sex therapist. That happened like six years ago. Wait, so, so you, you 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 chose uh, psychology as a major? I chose psychology as a major. <laughs> what was I'll your best, minor? Um, I didn't have one. I just I just. I just took psychology. Psychology was my minor. It was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Did you enjoy it? Did you wish it was a major? No, no. I don't wish it was a major. No. But everything everything I studied, like my major was uh, communications with a focus on PR and journalism. And I keep on saying this, no one ever needs to major in or study PR. No. Journalism is helpful, for sure. Okay. Uh, and then my, if they allowed a double minor, because they were like, you have enough credits to minor in either sociology or psychology, and I chose psychology. But everything had to do with the study of people. Communication, yeah. psychology, sociology, so that's what I enjoyed. 
It, it was really fun. You know, besides having crush on said professor, it, it is the one class that kind of made sense, right? Because it was sort of pan-cultural. They talked about things that were about the human condition. Yeah. Every other class was had loaded cultural undertones, like English or you know any other class that I could take. I really felt like, oh, I have some catching up to do as an immigrant. But in psychology, I felt like I was on even playing field with everybody because we were talking about the human condition and they were learning along with me what this was. Right. So it was also kind of relieving. Okay. And I just, I liked it and I kept going into it and I changed my mind many times. I wanted to do forensic psychology, but then I decided I did not want to work with people in the prison for many reasons. And then I switched with adolescents and, and young adults and college and this and that. And at the end of the day, right, master of all, uh, Sorry, jack of all, master of none. And yeah. I I moved to New York. Many things happened in the middle, but I moved to New York. And this is after you finish your ma your your undergrad. Uh, this is after I finished my PhD. Oh wait, I so you went directly uh, undergrad to PhD, and you got your PhD off. in psychology. Yeah. On a, in a specialization. So um, so I I took a year off because I wanted to make sure. I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which was at the time forensic psychology. Okay. Yeah, working with people in law the enforcement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did not like the when I actually worked in it. I didn't end up liking the marriage between psychology and law. Mm. I'm like, why? Oh, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the abused wife. That's how I felt. You know, psychology always took a beating when it came to law. Like you just lost every time. Like. It just wasn't a good it, the the position that psychology. What do you mean holds, by lose every time? I mean, like the position, is there a win and a loss in that kind of dynamic? So, law has its way of looking at the human condition, mm -hmm. and it's very fair. And psychology has a way of looking at the human condition, and the way psychology looked at the human condition is much more forgiving, um, and it says wrongly or rightfully, maybe some people have a chance more than other people and they should be let out into society or put into a hospital, not put into right. a prison. You know, things like isolation are a bad idea. Um, you know, here's a neuropsych report, but we're saying that this person did what they did because they have a certain Understood. condition. Don't yeah. punish them. Let's give them treatment. Um, so you went, then I'm assuming you, you didn't like that route and you went into... Did you go directly into sex therapy from there? No, I so I, I did forensics and um, I didn't want to do it anymore. Also, my mentor in graduate school, she left. She left grad school. So I went from undergrad, took a year off, worked in the field, went to grad school, wanted to specialize in forensic psychology, worked with somebody who ended up leaving the university. So I was sort of an orphan grad student at the time because you need to have a mentor who helps you through finishing your thesis and your dissertation. Mine left halfway through. So I needed to, and, and nobody at, well, I went to grad school at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, and you I picked Vegas yeah. because it looked a lot like Dubai. So I was interviewing around, and when I went to Vegas, I was like, this feels like home. <laughs> <laughs> also, I loved the program there. Absolutely yeah, loved the program. It's a good school. It's a great school. And my foster parent was a, is, um, like, the most amazing human on the planet. Her name is Marta Miena. She's a sex therapist. Um, so my clinical work and sensibility and my 
life through graduate school was largely influenced by her. She was always somebody I went to for advice. So that's who kind of pushed you the direction or motivated you or inspired you to do sex therapy. It was literally one. So let's hear some more about the sex therapy aspect. Like, I'm sure you've got some great stories you can tell. I'm not sure if you're allowed to tell certain stories. Obviously, we don't ask you to mention any names, but tell us some interesting parts of how how this came about, what your parents thought when you decided to do sex therapy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I'm sure it's like a little roller coaster, getting people and, and, and partners for their sex lives or whatever. I don't know really what you, what, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, well, how do I answer this question? So, so it's, it's, you know, I have myself advertised as somebody who works with sex therapy, right? I'm a sex therapist. So um, I think I, I've said something like, you, you can change your, your sex life through therapy. It's possible, things like that. So I get phone calls and people know what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come in with issues that they have with their relationships yeah. or their sex lives. It doesn't matter where we start. What's interesting is, when we talk about sex, it's just the first thing that we talk about, and then we talk about everything else. And I have had a few lives in psychology before I committed to sex therapy. And so I was a generalist before. I worked with anxiety. I worked with kids, OCD, um, mood disorders, you know, uh, dialectical behavior therapy. I have a diplomat, and I'm a diplomat in, in cognitive behavior therapy, which works with a lot of anxiety and depression, things like that. And I found my home in sex therapy about six or seven years ago after I started my practice. I happened to get a case. I didn't know what to do with it. It was at the heart of sex therapy. I called Marta and I'm like, I need your help. I don't know what I'm doing. And she helped me with the case, but she also said, why don't you specialize in sex therapy? You're in New York, you idiot. Like, you have to have a specialty. You can't be on that side of the seaboard and be a generalist. Right. Because everybody's a shrink here and everybody has a shrink here. So I was like, okay. So I have a life before sex therapy, and people do know me there, so I get clients from all over. all over. Um, what ends up happening is when, when we start talking about sex, I feel like it's the most comprehensive keyhole. When people let you into their proverbial bedroom, they tell you everything about their life, or more than they would yeah. about their life. So the benefit of working as a sex therapist is you just get to know more than you ever would. Right. Because um, you're essentially asking them about the most, their deepest, darkest secrets and personal aspects of their life, which then means opening up other, other secret parts of their life isn't as big of a deal. Right, yeah. right, yeah. For me, it's like being a sex therapist, right? It's, it's not the deepest, darkest thing of your life. It's not even the most interesting thing about your life, right? Mm-hmm. But that is how sex is taught, and that is how I learned about sex, is that you don't talk about it because it's, it's this thing, right? This black box. This it's taboo. Thing. It's taboo. Yeah. It's so yeah. taboo, which is which is crazy. It's like, um, so I loved learning about sex from Marta, and I loved learning about what it represents and the healthful aspects of it, because it's the one thing that we ha- we all have in common that most of us are doing it or or, or having it or whatever or are here because of it, including my twin. <laughs> 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 um, so I really, and the cultural, the cultural aspects that came up for me, like, oh my God, this is what I learned or didn't learn or 
this is why there are problems or a hang-up. I mean, it could have been a, a way to also heal certain... So many things. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. Um, and so I, lo- I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I enjoy it quite, quite a bit. And um, it's wonderful to be able to talk about sex because it just feels like a sport. You know, a girl that grew up with, like, you can't talk about it, whatever. It's like, oh, my God, we can really talk about this. And um, we can really go for it. And it's a lot of fun. But also, once people get comfortable telling you that, they do, there, there is a sense of closeness that happens. And then they sort of trust you to handle so many other aspects mm-hmm. of their lives. That, to me, from my end, I'm like, whoa, that's a bigger deal than this. But they think this is a bigger deal. Um, so it's great, because it, it, contrary to, to, to popular belief, your psychotherapist knows a sliver of your life, right? Maybe right. 1% to 2% of your life. Um, it's also the part, the part of your life that you want to share, yeah. you know, th- that you feel like might need her attention or his attention. Right, and you're so biased about it, right? Because yeah. I know there's so many things that I don't tell my analyst that I'm like, I could tell her, but I don't know if I want to tell her. Or I screen, like, this is important, this is not important. Right. Or, you know, I'm, like, driving the agenda. Do so you find yourself <clears throat> well, judging the uh, importance of, you know, whatever's priority is different, but do you find yourself, not, like, wanting to, not wanting to share certain things? Like, because you should be able to, I mean, if you're, you're going for a reason, you want to open yeah. up and tell them everything, even if it's something you don't really want to share because you might be embarrassed or they might think negatively, negatively of you, you have to share this. You have to share. Do you find yourself not sharing it? Eventually I do though. Yeah. A because she also finds it, right? Cuz she's she's knitting a story with right. me and she focus she's like this this is a gap here this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And um so y- you think you want to tell your therapist everything until you get there and then you realize there's an aspect of stage fright where it's like oh this is a stranger and I'm going to tell you everything I don't know. Right. Um and there's a back and forth and whatever but so you can't do it all at once but you do eventually end mm-hmm. up sharing especially when you have a good relationship. So how long have you been a sex therapist? 7 years. And um is it everything you hoped it would be? It is so much more than everything. Right. I, yeah, it's I felt like and You never shared that by the way. I didn't? You never shared that you were a sex therapist. Now you know. Yeah. But go ahead, tell me it's everything you wanted to be. And more. Oh, my God. I feel like I hit the jackpot. I had no idea I was going to be as amazing as it has been. Um, and, I mean, there's never a shortage of interesting stories that come through the door, right? Like I'm sure. Everybody's story is interesting. Um, uh, but the, the things that I find, like, oh, that are really fun is, the things that people think that, that are they're so unique, you know, like I need a surrogate because I don't know what I'm doing in the bedroom or I am kinky or, you know, I cheated on my, my partner and I don't know why, right? Like these are incredible mysteries. Mm. They're only mysteries because people aren't allowed to talk about it. And the reason they're not about to talk about it is because it's considered to be this horrible thing. Like, how could you cheat on someone? There's, there could be only one reason. It's because you're bad or whatever. And I get to sit on this treasure trove of reasons why people do what they do that are... That, that are well, let's, let's list them. Let's talk about it. So, for example, 
you know, I have clients that come in and they're like, oh, I, I, I wrote an article, actually, it was in Men's Health, or contributed to an article about why people in happy relationships cheat. And I'm like, there's so many reasons, you know, from death anxiety to wanting to even out a power dynamic to sometimes preserving the relationship to, um, you know, because I'm kinky and I'm married to someone I think is vanilla, they would never understand what I need, so I go get it where I need. Um, people have a split between intimacy and, you know, I can have a relationship, but I can't have sex with the same person I have a relationship with. They have so many splits of that sort. Mm -hmm. So there's so many reasons that when you listen to someone's story, you're like, oh, you're, you're this, could, could this be why you did what you did, right? And it gives them a sense of insight that makes them go, oh, thank God, I'm not this horrible, dark, disgusting person. Um, this is just what I like. And the idea of sex being built around pleasure and pleasure that belongs to you before it belongs to anybody else. Everybody else is a beneficiary, right? So sex therapy has these principles that I think are so relevant to life. Like if you were to wrap your life around the pursuit of pleasure, um, ethical pleasure, where it's like it's empathetic and it's it's for you and you're, you're fun and you're doing something because you love it and you devour it because of the way you love it and people around you benefit from it, well, that's great, right? And that's great outside of sex as it as it is during sex. So there's so many principles like that that I think are really helpful in life and in sex, and they coincide really well. So that was cool to learn, right? And how does this affect your relationships, dating or whatever? Because you must see certain patterns in the people you date, and you're like, oh, well, I see this, and um, maybe you can't shut off work. Like, how does this affect you? I'll tell you the one aspect that I learned because of work that I don't ever shut off, which is that to be properly curious, and I don't always do a good job at that, and we can get into why. I learned this through my very wonderful dissertation, which I did with Dr. Russell Hurlburt, who studies inner experience. And he's an incredible human. Everybody should know him. Um, there's one thing that comes up, right? He taught me to be curious and to always leave my assumptions at the door. So when I meet somebody, anybody, right, like the context matters, but when I meet somebody, I have no assumptions or very few, um, and I like building a story with my clients, right, um, because a story that they have is so subjective or careful or some parts are hidden. and. So we, we build something together, you know, and it makes sense for me, it makes sense for them, and we do something very, hope to do something very constructive and beautiful about it. And we have a good time doing it. We have, my, my therapy sessions do include a lot of humor, a lot of sarcasm, a lot of dirty jokes, because that's just mm -hmm. me. Right. Um, so the aspect of work that I cannot turn off, and I don't even think it's work, but it's that, that I'm curious genuinely about you. I don't know where you come from. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what you want to tell me and why you want to tell me what you don't want to tell me and why you don't want to tell me what you don't want to tell me. And I'm the same way. And if we can engage in building something together, um, that could be fun. So 
when I find friendships or in dating, when I find somebody who wants to control that or control the narrative or whatever, it's not fun for me, so I don't like to play. It's just like when I'm playing sports, when I play with a team who's like, you know, we're all on a team together and we're just going to make the scoreboard look great because of the way we're playing together. I love that. Right. But if there's somebody who's like, I'm going to be the MVP and show up right. and control yeah. the narrative, right? It's just like, dude, come on, go sit down, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's kind of that. So in relationships and dating, I'm looking for that camaraderie mm-hmm. as I do in my therapy sessions. That's great what you said about like um, the excitement of learning something new about some each story is yeah. unique. Uh, I think the human story is the most, the uniquest story, right? right? Which is why I love doing these interviews and especially what I mentioned in the beginning, like, yeah. I don't know you very well. Right. All I know that the few interactions we have, few conversations we've had on The Outsider's Adventures yes. have been in- interesting and entertaining. Yeah. And I feel like, it, I feel like if we were to have a conversation, it'd be interesting and would flow and it'd be very easy, right? I hope so. I mean, it is. Look at this, right? Like, yeah. we're doing this on, on Inside with Outsiders and it's, it's flowing. I'm not pulling, pulling teeth out to get answers or make this interesting. This is a very interesting conversation. Obviously, you're a sex therapist, so that makes it even more interesting. <laughs> um, I but hope yeah. that's not the most interesting part. No, no. Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think there's a lot of interesting parts. So yeah. what I determine, what, what the factors I feel like make these interviews interesting are people with, with, I guess, different chapters in their life, different experiences, and uh, you know those things kind of define their uniqueness. Whereas uh, someone who's kind of been on the same path the entire time and hasn't diverged or hasn't had change, changes in what their end goals are may not be as interesting. That's not always the case, obviously. But uh, you know, I always reference uh, uh, Javier's um, interview because that guy's had like different lives in his life. I mean, there's wow. a lot of people like had a lot of been a lot of interesting people. But what stands out is Javier's because he went from being like this cook to a radio host to going back to school and being business. Now he's like killing it in the supply chain game for an espresso. Like he's at and he, and he had things mm-hmm. like he had moments where he he had, he was. 375 pounds he lost weight went to 180 he, he also had his, his house burned down he lost everything he owned like he's had a crazy amount of like events that had reshaped him Wow. so that's an extreme version of course but like the different chapters and different aspects and living different lives within your life to me is interesting and it's kind of like what you described your life you know Dubai was a chapter yeah um, India was a chapter uh, college in in Chicago was and then you know discovering yourself as a sex therapist was also yeah so so many different chapters yeah yeah it's it's impressive by the way the way you remembered Javier's story I mean he's a good friend of mine but also stands out like even even Pat's story uh recently we've interviewed over 25 people thus far and everyone's had a very interesting story uh for the most part yeah um there's there's always exceptions but uh (laughs) You know, I, I just think, like you said, the human, the human story is the most interesting and the fact that that's what you do for a living. Uh, yeah, I think that, I love that. I think I, I love that about any, any you know, it, no matter what kind of paradigm, I, sex therapy or I don't know what else is out there. I don't even care. But um, mm-hmm. whatever it is, I think the interest, I'm very interested in 
I love stories. Right. There's also the exchange of energy back and forth with people, right? You're telling yeah. them your story, you're giving a piece of your attention. It's, I find we, we, we usually do like two interviews per day. Mm-hmm. We tried doing three. It's exhausting. Like, yeah. if I can imagine all these therapy sessions, you must, you know, you're busy. If you're actual full-time therapist, you must line up, what, four, five, six a day? I'm not sure. More. But yeah, I think five is my sweet spot, but usually a little exa- bit more I mean, than that. That's going to be yeah. exhausting. It is. You know, it you is. must, yeah, I, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. It is exhausting, and um, but it's also, it's great. No, it's great. I, yeah. I agree. Like I enjoy this, but I yeah. also want to make sure that I can be on it and give the my best performance, and, and get asked the best questions and have the the best uh, the best show. Not be because for your viewers too, right? They're yeah. like, "What the heck just happened there?" I mean, you no, know? no one said that yet, but like, I, I want to avoid that. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. And you know, this is like a, a, a you know, you're asking me questions and I'm providing an answer. It's there's a there's a sort of bi-directionality in it because we're both talking, but ultimately it's for the benefit of the show or something, right? And that's, psychotherapy is exhausting because it's a two-way relationship meant for you. Right. And in friendships and dating and whatever else, other relationships that are not professional, what's great is that the bi-directionality pump is open. So if I you know, I'm, I'm expecting, a f- but then I'm also expecting someone to play back in the way that I like to mm-hmm. play. So. And return, return. And return the I mean, yeah. not that you expect something out of it, but the relationship is that, right? You it both totally, get something out of it. Totally. Whereas you're, you, what you're getting out of your therapy sessions is essentially compensation. Yeah. 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 Well, so one thing, right, that both places refine is I've, I've been better at refining. I don't, I love everybody's story and I'm genuinely interested in all of it, but I don't necessarily want to spend time with everybody. Right. I think the selectivity has gone up for better or for worse. Which is, I mean, that's for your personal and professional career. Yeah. That's a good thing. That's a, and I the fact so. that you can do that with your professional career means you've established a certain amount of clientele where you're able to be selective. Yeah. So congratulations for thank that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that happens in friendships too, right? People are like, are you analyzing me or this and that? And I'm like, not in the sense that I'm trying to find your pathology or your trauma right. or your trying, broken yeah. piece. But I guess I'm trying to assess and see, like, can we play well together in a way that we can build something really cool together. I like that, that terminology, to play well. It's like, you know, when you were playing with your friend in Dubai. <laughs> 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 yeah. play. We played, we, we, we had fun playing. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask you, uh, yeah, I loved your story. Your story is great, and Thanks. obviously it's not done. You're still Did it make sense? Because some absolutely. parts, okay. I mean, I had, a, I had to structure it a little bit, but yeah. it makes more sense. It, there's a lot. There's a lot of cross-cutting I mean, and moving. And is there, I mean, is there stuff that you, we've missed out on that we should touch on? No, as long as it's it makes coherent sense. I think for me, right, it's it's it all makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we don't necessarily have to follow a chronological structure, but it it the story makes sense. Okay. So I like that. Um, so, <clears throat> what do you do for fun? Many things. Um, You're taking part of the Outsiders. Obviously, that. I was I just going to say. I hope you keep on. I hope you keep on coming. You haven't seen you in a while. I, I will. You know, you offer something very special. What's Besides that? yourself, of course. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, got you blushing on camera. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because right. So I've lived, as you know, many different places, and I think New York transportation is tough. When I sold my car. 
I was like, shit, I love the convenience that comes with it, but it was very inconvenient to get to the outside. Yeah. And I literally looked at, like, I want to go outside, and it was like, outsiders. I was really? like, oh, cool. <laughs> I don't know, no, I didn't know people were like searching that and coming up with us. Okay. Yeah, no, it was yeah. a very simple, like, you know. I want to go outside in New York, probably. It was what yeah. you typed in. What yeah. do I, how do I, something like that. It was very, like. And we popped up, okay. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you. It was like, I just sent out this, like, you know, word vomit, very desperate question into the universe. Yeah. Like, I want to go outside. And they're like, outsiders. I'm like, cool. <laughs> um, so it was meant to be. And then the whole operation is very systematic and. You get together and you put people in cars and you take them there and you bring them back, mostly intact. <laughs> yes, intact. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. I yes, yes, so. yes. No, no. <laughs> what really? All happened? intact. Everybody, yeah. go alive. You come back alive. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. I don't but know how to. Did I come don't know how to. <laughs> you, you did come to our cannoneering, right? I did. That was our most challenging to date. That was the most challenging uh, event we did. You know, and people were scraped up and banged up. That but, was fine. But the good thing about it was everybody was right. Even even we were. I didn't mind that at all. I mean, I, I'm a climber, so yeah. I, I, I'm everything is scarred, like everything is scraped up, and you know, like there's always some bruise that I'm yeah. recovering from. My problem was with Joey. I didn't like Joey. Oh, shoot, Joey. <laughs> Hope you're not watching. Sorry, Joey. Joey. <laughs> you were a little negligent. I, I was like, what are you doing, Joey? Did you smoke pot? What is happening here? <laughs> <laughs> no, the the beating the the beat up nest was fine. I I like extreme sports. Well, outside outside of uh, outside of the outsiders, what other things you like to do on your free time? Yeah. So just to, to, so thank you for providing what you provide. It, it is a lot of fun. The hiking, the the um, we went. Um, kayaking. Yes. And then we went canyoneering, which was very, very fun. Well, the, oh, very so fun. you did hiking first with us, and then kayaking. Mean, kayaking was great. Kayaking I loved was it. Great. We did that again. Yeah. Definitely. And then uh, canyoneering, which yeah. was very, very fun. I loved it. Canyoneering was fun. Um, it was very fun. We'll consider doing it again. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be, that'd be, that'd yeah. be something I would go back to. Um, it's the easiest thing. Like, you just rappel down. You don't have to climb. Down a, nice. I, I do have to say, rappelling down, like, canyoneering was challenging for me. There was a point where I got stuck under the waterfall, and I probably shouldn't be mentioning this if I'm trying people to sign up, but, like, I felt like I was swallowing tons of water just to get underneath. <laughs> <laughs> I called my doctor afterwards. I was like, can I get a parasite? <laughs> He's like, was the water running? I was like, yeah. He's like, you're fine. Shut up. Like, like, cool. Right, right. Do I have a tapeworm? <laughs> do I have tapeworm? Did I drink it? Yes. Um, but you didn't. You're fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Good. Yeah. So, I would love to come back. And what else? What else? What else, what do, else you do, do I do? Yeah. I um I play volleyball. Okay. I rock climb. Mm-hmm. I tango. Okay. And I like I do I do like to cook, so there's that. What else do I do? Travel. I mm. ski. Um, I'm going skiing in a couple of weeks. Cool. We have skiing next weekend. Where are you going? Bel Air and Hunter. Okay. I'm not sure when this is going to air, so but yeah, we we do ski trips uh, on occasion. So okay. If, if you ever want to sign up with us, I would. I'm a snob, so but I will. Where do you go skiing, Vermont? West Coast. Oh, you're going skiing, skiing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to do local trips, let us know. But the only places I've skied outside of the Northeast, which is pretty much ice skating, was uh, Hokkaido, uh, Japan. That was insane. Really. Yeah. Wow. 
I had to buy skis while I was out there because I didn't have powder skis. Oh my goodness, mm. that much powder. It didn't stop. It was oh like, it's God. called Japal for a reason. It's insane amount of powder. That's, that's we were there for 10 days and it never stopped snowing. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you're an active person, so you're actually a perfect demo. Yeah, I guess. So. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, what are your goals and dreams? World peace. Front um. Miss America. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are my goals and dreams? I. I'm thinking. Jesus, this is not a rapid fire question. This is not. Okay. No, because this is not a rapid fire answer. <laughs> um, this is a very existential question. I mean, how much time do we have? My goal. I would love to. I've had a very nomadic life. You mm -hmm. know, I do. I don't like the word nomad. I like the word gypsy better. Okay. So I felt like a gypsy, and many times I felt like. I've been wanting to build a house in the middle of a tornado, <laughs> and it's been really hard because nothing stays, right, because it's a tornado. So I think I would like to have a place that feels like a home, like it's mine, with, with like an amazing partner and family, and that's so important to me because it's, it's, just, it's just been elusive with all the stuff that's been going on. Um, I would like to continue like upping the ante on adventures i would really like to have a tribe an amazing tribe big or small of people i love and friends and you know like-mindedness and community yeah. community yeah and i would like to do i would always i always want to do something for the world because we are citizens of the world so and re my religion right it, it, it says you've you're the viceroys is how it's like really translated. Like you, this doesn't belong to you. This is a gift and you're the guardian. So um, I would like to do better at that. And it's a practical thing, but I kill plants. I would like to not do that because <laughs> it's kind of like important <laughs> to not kill plants if I wanted to do something with the planet. Um, it's not really hard not to kill plants. Just make sure you have enough water and sunlight. And I have tried everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I overbought. I don't know what happens. It's like you I touched You talk to him after to discuss your, your lack of green thumb. <laughs> I will send you pictures. I saw him spraying the plants over there earlier today. Well, somebody has to take care of the plants. That's right. <laughs> I need help. Um, I need training. What What is your most embarrassing moment? I know you got something good. I mean, good. Jesus. Yeah. Did, I, did you not? Did you, the twin story. <laughs> <laughs> I was nine years nine years old when I found out you cannot have a twin when you're nine. <laughs> <laughs> that is um, pretty embarrassing. Nothing else? I mean, that's embarrassing enough. Yeah, no, We laughed thinking, at you for a minute with that one. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm recording. thinking. Um, embarrassing stories. I mean, I don't embarrass easy, maybe because I do a lot of shit that are, that's really embarrassing. Okay. It's all good. We can move yeah, on yeah, to yeah, yeah. Let me think about that. Um, is there anything I I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with with the viewers? Ooh. You know, this is a question I'll throw back at you. Is there anything that you'll regret not asking me? Like, oh, I really needed that. Needed her to answer this question. I mean, if that's the case, I can always get you back here. That's true. Mm -hmm. But nothing stands out. I think you did a good job of discussing your story, um, explaining the process and how you got to where you are. Uh, I think I, I, we can't probably have a show on this, but hearing 
crazy stories about like your your work and my work and life. Yeah, I mean, again, we <coughs> uh, yeah. couldn't discuss your your client stuff, but if if ever yeah. you can tell some stories and not divulge uh, identities, I'm sure there's some interesting stuff to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it. If you can, we'll have another special episode on the sex I'll therapist. I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you one because oh, yes. it would be really, <clears throat> I, would be, I would be so surprised. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a therapist. I don't know how to solve all of life's problems, but sometimes you get phone calls that expect you to. So I had a, a client who was very upset during our session, like extremely upset, crying, whatever, um, got on the subway and was approached by someone who offered comfort, and that turned into something. And uh, I got a panicked phone call that says they had just had sex with a sex worker and that they needed to get paid. Oh my God! And what 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 there's to be done? And I was literally like, mid bite, thirty seconds before my next session. I'm just like, just pay them, throw money, <laughs> at, throw money at the problem, and make it go away, and make sure you shower. I have to go. Oh my God! Um, wow. So sometimes that happens. Wait, was his name Jeremy S. Gary? <laughs> <laughs> I can neither confirm or deny the identity of this person. All right, I'll, I'll bleep yeah. out Jeremy's name. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I, I think we could have an entire show on uh, some of these if that was uh, legal. Uh, but uh, anyway, let's get into this five rapid fire oh, questions. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. I'm ready. Right, are you ready? Okay. So what's your favorite city other than New York City? Uh, shit. Um... I, I don't think I have one other than New York City. It's legitimately my favorite city. There's no no other city other than is favorite Z city other than New York. I love Zion. I genuinely do. Zion National Park. Yeah, I really so do. I lived in Las Springdale, Vegas. Springdale, Utah. It's like kind of in that area. Okay. Yeah. So shame you're missing our trip. I know. I've been there so often. It was my playground. I used oh, to go there right, all the time. Oh, that's right. That's right. If you could choose any other profession than the one you currently have, what would it be? Uh, I would probably be an artist. What kind of artist? Like paint. Paint? Art. Yeah. Okay. Do you paint? No. All right. <laughs> 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 What's your biggest fear? Uh, oh, my God. What is my biggest fear? It would have to be swimming. Swimming? I can don't you know sw how to swim. You don't know how to swim? No. And you went canyoneering in a waterfall with us. I also scuba dive and snorkel. That's... Weird. You should learn how to swim. Swimming is terrifying, how, Jeremy. How do you not know how to swim if you go swimming? Because, listen, okay, I've tried to explain this so many times. You're not supposed to breathe underwater. I don't have gills, okay? You go stroke, stroke, breathe. Stroke, stroke, breathe. What if you forget to do this? What if you breathe when you're supposed to stroke and you gulp a bunch of water? You Shit happens. You, know you can't see underwater. Don't think about it. Just do it. <laughs> I keep hearing that, and it doesn't by, by work the way, for me. Your, your body won't allow you to take a breath underwater. I have also heard that, and that is not true. My body has allowed it, and then protested, <laughs> and then protested on the back end, and I'm like, this is not supposed to happen, and it's like, deal with it. We have a lot of water. You shouldn't have done this. 
you 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 should have done stroke stroke oh, breathe and God. I messed it up and I can't do it <laughs> and it's terrifying. Okay, we're gonna leave that alone. Um, <laughs> I like this next question. I really want to. I'm interested in hearing seeing what you answer with. Uh, if you could choose anyone in history to be your patient, who would you choose? To be my patient? Yes, like who who you'd want to hear about their their inner workings, their inner sex life, or whatever. Who would you choose to? have as a patient anyone in history oh my god um this is a tough question because the people that i learn from i don't want them to be i want to be their patient um doesn't have to be someone in that field anyone it could be anyone my patient i would (laughs) i don't know why but the, the the person so i went through two very weird surgeries out of nowhere but the person who my surgeon her name is Kristen Zelligs I would have her There's, I don't know if you want to talk about one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show is I can't believe I forgot you're also a cancer survivor right yeah you're a, I can't believe anybody, that's the question I wanted to ask you oh so I survived are you okay you survived you're seems like you're thriving uh yeah are you comfortable talking about that at all or yeah 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 yeah. What what uh what what kind of cancer is that okay or do you it not? It was um so, it was supposed to be every kind of cancer and uh, we there were there were many benign things happening. Apparently, my body likes to produce unnecessary shit, and but the only cancer that was actually turned out to be cancer was breast cancer. But okay. we we got rid of it and we're good. And you're great. As far as we know, yeah. How was that process? It was... And that was during the pandemic, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. You, you battled cancer during the COVID pandemic. I, in a way, I'm like, thank God, because there's nothing else to do, so I didn't have FOMO. I was just <laughs> recovering for a year and a half. How convenient um, to have cancer then. So yeah. convenient. Actually, I was, I'm like, thank God I had something to worry about, you know? Like, it took up my attention, and I was on really great painkillers for most of it. Understood, yeah. So it was kind of convenient. And and how long was that? What was did you chemo, radiation treatment, uh, just surgery? A surgery. So I um, I went in because I was having panic attacks and I couldn't, which is not typical. I'm very neurotic, but I don't have panic attacks. And it was weird, and I couldn't eat, and I was hungry, and I was losing a lot of weight. So I went to uh, a GP who was a brand new GP, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, and she. Somehow, she literally, she saw me walk, and for whatever reason, she came in, and she's like, I really would like to take a sonogram of your pelvis. And I'm like, why? Hi, do I know you? Like, that's the first thing she said to me. And she's like, something's not right. I know you're coming in for not sleeping or whatever. And she took a sonogram, and she was very Russian, and she made this, she keeps making this face, and I see it through the mask. And I was like, what is happening? And I'm a doctor, so I'm like, I need to know what's happening. And she's like, none of this makes sense. And I'm like, is your machine broken? And she's like, no. Um, I'm like, okay, so then I'm broken, because one of those two things don't make sense, so do I not make sense? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, can you tell me more? No. So she sends me in for an MRI. We look at an MRI, and there are enormous like tumors that are overgrown and displacing all of my organs and whatever else and she's like 
this is going on and your cancer markers are high, but probably because of all this. So maybe some of this is cancer, maybe not. We don't really know. We just have to go in. Either way, we have to get it out and do not work out because one, you're one burpee away from like something bursting and then you're dead. It's like, cool. Um, so the next thing I know, I'm on the operating table and I went through a series of doctors who wanted to do a certain kind of surgery a certain way. It's the safest way to do it, 2% risk, anything, you know, just like you would go for your pinky being broken. And I didn't want that because it would require getting rid of organs that I would have, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to get rid of them. And the question asked was like, why? What's your attachment to them? You won't miss them. And I'm like, because they're mine. Um, so I found a doctor, Kristen Zellix, who I would like to have as, as my patient because she's amazing. She came in and she laid it out straight. She's like, here's why they're saying no. It's high risk, almost 35% chance you're not coming back. There are the odds we're playing with. Do you still want to do this? I'm like, yeah, I do. I, 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 want, I want to do it this way where you just take the bad stuff out and leave everything else in. And if there's a choice, let me go. Can you do it? And she's like, yeah. I said, cool. So we had a pact. She's like, okay, you can die, but you can't stay dead. And I'm like, cool. You can go in and you can take things out, but you can't take, take, take things out that are my organs, just the stuff that's bad. She's like, deal. We shook on it. It felt very, and that's what happened. Um, and then as I was recovering from, and all of that was, if I would have gone one route, I would have been up and running in a couple of weeks. But this, I was going to be up and running in about a year and some change. But that's what I wanted. Um, so that's what she did. And I was recovering from all of that, and all of that was healing. Um, and, and there were lots of scans. Every day there was a scan of some sort. You got to come in something, because it, was, it was very, very high risk, and um, everything went well, but there were a lot of like, oh my God, let's check this out, whatever. So in doing that, thank goodness, they were like, you got to get another mammogram after mammogram after mammogram. And I'm like, I'm so sick of So none of, of the this. tumors were cancerous in no. your abdomen? Thank God. No. Okay. No. Um, and they saw seven. Wow. She took out 50. What? <laughs> Five zero. And is this something that, I mean, thank goodness they were benign. So just like you said, your body just likes producing cells. Is this something that'll just keep on occurring? Or? Hopefully not. Okay. Hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not. Yeah. Hopefully not. Um, and, and yeah, so so there, it's done. It, whatever this was, um, but those scans kept showing something where she's like, okay, well, why is it still lighting up? And so, um, mammogram after mammogram, it's like it showed that I had cancer. And so, I went in and fought for the same thing. It was like you need to get a double mastectomy, and I'm like. I don't think so. Just take out what is cancerous and leave yeah. the rest of it alone because last time we thought this was a big deal and we were going to clean me out and we didn't have to. So, And this was a new doctor, uh, Jennifer, and she's just like, I could see her like bristle under her, her mask. Like, would you just let me do my job? And I'm like, no. Um, and then she called Kristen and Kristen's laughing. She's like, that sounds like Arva. She's <laughs> going to not let you, whatever. But, um, yeah. but it worked out fine and turned out I was right that everything else, the scans were just, there were a lot of false positives mm. and turned out that there was just cancer in that one place and she took it out and everything's fine. That's so it just rolled yeah. into like a year, year and a half of a crazy saga. Well, 
I'm glad it turned out the way it did. Thank I'm you. sorry you had to deal with it in the first place. Thank you. But like I said, it's a silver lining was I wasn't worried about COVID. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, then again, it might have been a bad time to be in a hospital too. So, yeah. Were, yeah. But that's that's a lot. That is definitely something to worry about. And and if you wanted something to worry about, you got it. Yeah, and yeah. it's kind of in a way kind of a scenario where. I mean, nine to 50, but none cancer except for the ones you took care of. Like, Crazy. Luck, luck I guess, it, somehow. You got to look at it that way, right? I was very, very, yeah. very lucky. And I had phenomenal doctors. I wish we had gotten, this, uh, gotten into this story a little earlier because the last question is, what's your favorite food? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's, know if that's relevant. Um, or a good, a good I, follow-up to uh, your, your cancer survival story, which is amazing. Thank you. Uh, so... I think forks are a great way to eat ice cream. So I'll tell you what, I, I don't have, I don't, I'm somebody, I'm weird, I don't have a favorite color, I don't have favorite foods, because I change my mind all the time. So no tattoos? You know, it's, it's something I can't commit to. All right, <laughs> I right. would have a hard time, like, do I want Mickey Mouse? No, I no. want... <laughs> Actually, they have tattoos now that, that the ink fades. After a year, like you get it and it fades. Yeah, it's kind of it's like a longer like henna, but it lasts a lot longer. I would get that. It's put into the skin the way a tattoo is. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just the ink is different. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to get a tattoo with the arrows like forward. You know the 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 arrows that represent forward. Yeah. Yeah. Then you should get it with that ink in in case you can't. You know, in case you won't like like it. I I want them to go away. Yeah, Yeah. that would be a good idea. I'm sure there's a period where it looks like crap because it's actually fading. So henna does look like literally. But it's not henna. This is actually a real tattoo with different ink. Right. No, but as it's fading, right? Yeah, henna. Yeah, henna starts because it it starts to go from there. It starts to look blotchy. Yeah. So awful. Yeah. yeah. What? uh, All right. So why 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 did you bring ice cream? So I don't have a favorite food, but um, because I don't have a favorite anything. Um, which is, I did have a favorite cat. Okay. Okay. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> I had a favorite twin, but we know how that went. Jeez. <laughs> um, he's still my favorite brother. I only have one. <laughs> so the, the, the ice cream. So my mom was, I don't have a sweet tooth at all. I like spicy, dark stuff, you know, um, like my heart. So my mom... <laughs> loved ice cream she loved ice cream it was like her weakness so at the end of the meal because as you know like it's tradition you always eat something and my uh, my dad's tradition you start with something sweet and yeah really that's an interesting tradition they they start with something sweet and i'm always like can i skip the first course so she would always have ice cream. Uh, we, w- we always would have ice cream, and I, I would. I would have ice cream with my mom, even though I didn't have a sweet tooth. Right. And she loved butter pecan, but I liked pistachio, and I actually really have a great appreciation for a good vanilla ice cream. Okay. So, so let's try them. Yeah. Pop them open. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant, by the way. So you are? Our next interview is going to be interesting. <laughs> Well, good thing he has forks. You know, you could just... Exactly. You don't have taste. to try it. We'll you try. describe the taste um, to you. No, I'll try it. <laughs> I almost got you the chocolate chip cookies that you liked, but then I was too far away from you. Oh. And you did bring me a little birthday uh, cake that one time. Okay, what is going on here? Hey, I don't know. That's what you brought. What's in that one? Because this one looks like... This one looks shady. Let me see. That's just... No. This is, this is what happened. Whoa. Whoa. It looks like... Um, um, it looks like it was in the freezer a little too long. Yeah, pass me the four. I want to see why there's like a, a, a ice hockey puck on top of the ice cream. 
Look at this. What is this? This was from like <laughs> our. What is going on? That was from t like I got it today. And it was still, it was cold. It was still cold. Pass me the cap so I get those ice in it because this ice cream is pretty good. No, the. Uh, All right, and this is, but you're not gonna have any of this here, take I that. So these are, are these your favorite brands, you just grab whatever you, you saw? I, I mean, a good vanilla is a good vanilla. Honestly, I love the vanilla from Dairy Queen. Mm. Dairy Queen, okay, not, not bougie at all. Is Dairy Queen bougie? No, it's not, I'm fam. I'm very mm. basic. Mm -hmm. I like vanilla from Dairy Queen. That's good. And I like pistachio ice cream. Pistachio's really good. Yeah. All right. So oh. I would have cooked you something, but in the middle of COVID, I just feel weird, like we should probably do ready-made stuff. But the next time you have me on to talk about other things, yes. maybe I'll cook you I would guys love something. to have you on again. Um, I think this is a long episode, so we got to cut it now. But I appreciate you sharing your life, your story, um, some of your hardships, some of your funny moments, <laughs> uh, the fact that you don't have a twin. And... Um, Let's definitely get you back here, but get you on the Outsiders um, soon. I would love it. Yeah, and thank you for having me, and thank you for being interested. Like I said, this is a very strange place for me to be in. All good. I'm happy to ask the questions for you. So <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Arva, appreciate you. See you guys soon.